KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, February 16th. Chula Vista's coronavirus financial relief funding gets a vote today. We'll have that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Officials say the Petco Park vaccination superstation will reopen today. It shut down on Sunday due to a delayed shipment of Moderna vaccines. That shipment is now expected to come in today. The fallout from the delayed shipment was felt at vaccination superstations across San Diego as they had to either close or slow appointments. UC San Diego Health Superstation says anyone who had appointments canceled will get rescheduled. People aged 16 to 64 with certain severe health conditions will soon be able to get a COVID-19 vaccine. But State Health and Human Services Secretary Dr. Mark Galley says the expanded access to vaccines won't start until March 15th due to a scarcity in vaccine supply. Those health conditions include cancer, chronic kidney disease, Down syndrome, and severe obesity. Three sailors on the San Diego-based USS Roosevelt have tested positive for COVID-19 on Sunday, a month into the ship's deployment to the South China Sea. According to the U.S. Navy Pacific Fleet, the sailors were asymptomatic and they, along with anyone close to them, have been isolated per CDC and Navy guidance. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. The Chula Vista City Council is voting today on millions of dollars in relief for residents financially impacted by the pandemic. KPBS's Max Rivlin-Nadler reports. The $16.8 million comes from a mix of state and federal funds meant to help pay the day-to-day bills of people in a city hard hit by the COVID-19 pandemic. Chula Vista Mayor Mary Salas announced the relief fund will help not only cover past or current rent, but also utility bills. Many have struggled to pay the rent, gas, electric, water and sewer bills. Some have been faced with these hardships for the first time ever. These funds can help those who meet the eligibility requirements to get those bills paid. Currently, an eviction moratorium in the state protects most renters from eviction over non-payment. But back rent continues to pile up for renters. And there have been no similar programs for those who have fallen behind on utilities. The city of Chula Vista has set up a website for those seeking assistance to see if they qualify. And a call-in line for those without internet access. Residents can sign up for notifications about the program at chulavistaca.gov backslash tenant help. The county of San Diego has its own separate rent relief fund, which is meant to reach county residents who live outside of cities like Chula Vista which have qualified for direct aid from the state and federal governments. And that was KPBS's Max Revlin-Nadler.
For the third time this month, Feeding San Diego is distributing food to hospitality workers. KPBS's Jacob Ayer reports. Cars lined up at Pachanga Arena Monday for Feeding San Diego's emergency food distribution, specifically targeted to hospitality workers who either lost their jobs or got their hours cut because of COVID-19. Shanice Scott is one of those workers who has experienced economic hardship due to the pandemic's ripple effects. This has been really rough for me personally to maintain employment. Um, I recently started working and honestly, if I didn't come pick up this food, I honestly wouldn't know where my food would come from until I got paid. One more distribution session for those in the hospitality industry is planned for this month at Pachanga Arena, happening next Monday, February 22nd. And that story from KPBS's Jacob Baer. A pair of Arizona congressmen have signed on to a letter urging the new Homeland Security Secretary to cut ties between the Immigration Enforcement Agency and local police. From the Fronteras desk in Phoenix, KJZZ's Matthew Casey reports. U.S. Representatives Ruben Gallego and Raul Grijalva were among dozens of members of Congress to sign the letter. It asks for an end to the practice of immigration and customs enforcement, requesting that local jails hold people longer so agents can pick them up. Data compiled by Syracuse University show that nearly 23,000 so-called ICE detainers were issued in Arizona from October 2016 through June of last year. The letter also urges the end of a program that allows local police to partner with ICE inside jails and to serve warrants. Five law enforcement agencies in Arizona are enrolled. And that was KJZZ's Matthew Casey. Local Congressional Representatives Sarah Jacobs and Juan Vargas have also co-signed on the letter to DHS. The Biden administration has announced plans to begin processing asylum seekers sent back to Mexico under a Trump-era policy known as the Remain in Mexico program. Some asylum seekers may be able to enter the United States by the end of next week, but others remain stuck. From the Fronteras desk in Hermosillo, Sonora, KJZZ's Kendall Blust reports. The Department of Homeland Security says on February 19th it will start allowing into the United States asylum seekers forced to wait in Mexico under the Migrant Protection Protocols. For the people who will qualify, this is a good thing. Alex Mensing with Innovation Law Lab works with migrants in Tijuana. He says some asylum seekers who've waited sometimes for years south of the border are hopeful they're close to reaching safety in the United States. But he says the process will be slow and will only work for a small number of people. Of some 70,000 asylum seekers who were enrolled in MPP, only about 25,000 people with active cases are eligible. And thousands of others are still unable to even start the process of claiming asylum because of other Trump-era policies Still in effect. That reporting from KJZZ's Kendall Blust and Hermosillo. Coming up, an update on the female Marines training at the Marine Corps Recruit Depot in San Diego. And KPBS launches the Parker Edison Project. Both of those stories are next, just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by 
Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon. Hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. Female Marine recruits started training at the Marine Corps Recruit Depot San Diego last week for the very first time. The Marines are the last service to separate men and women at boot camp. The Corps is now under a congressional mandate to end segregated recruit training. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh has been following the new recruits. After two weeks of isolation under protocols to stop the spread of COVID-19, the first company to include female recruits officially stand at attention. The first in the 100-year history of boot camp in San Diego. They assemble outside the doors, Mark. Through this portal walks the future of the United States Marine Corps. Drill instructor Staff Sergeant Aisha Zat was brought in from Paris Island, South Carolina to be part of San Diego's first team of female drill instructors. Paris Island has trained female recruits in separate units since the 1940s. On their first day, Zat's job was to put both male and female recruits through their paces. Some people haven't gotten yelled at at all their whole life. They need to understand the difference. You're going to move when I tell you to move. You're going to do what I tell you to do. Right now, Congress is telling the Corps they have five years to end gender segregation at Paris Island and eight years at San Diego. Though leadership is hinting that after holding out, the Marines will try to beat Congress's timetable. Zant laid out the task for these women with the bluntness of a drill instructor. They have something to prove. They're the only females that is training right now. This is the first female platoon. So they are going to be going against all their brothers inside of that whole company. So. They have to show everyone that they are worthy to be here. 19-year-old Taya Chitaro is from Hawaii, but she grew up in the Marshall Islands. She's starting to understand the significance. I had no words at first, but now I take pride in that, you know, not many people get this opportunity here today. Critics have charged that keeping men and women separate just as they become Marines has created larger issues for the Corps. In 2013, Elizabeth Fitzgerald commanded a company of female Marines at Paris Island. She has since left the Marines. She says during her time at Paris Island, a male instructor ordered their recruits to look away as the female recruits passed. Fitzgerald believes the lack of integration led to chronic problems like online scandals where active duty Marines were caught sharing and commenting on photos of female Marines. All of our leadership traits, our leadership principles, our values, all of those are, the foundation is laid right at boot camp. Only about 9% of Marines are women, the lowest percentage of any service. They're also the youngest service on average. 70% are 24 years old or younger. Fitzgerald says it's not the young recruits, but their leaders who struggle with integrating women at boot camp. The younger generation, I feel like, never has an issue with the change. It's always stems from top leadership. In San Diego, the first female recruits were largely focused on the moment. 19-year-old Gabrielle Latchford of Valparaiso, Indiana, had just been given her gear. I'm a little nervous, but nothing that I didn't expect, so. Her brother had been a Marine. We're going to learn a lot about ourselves that we probably didn't learn before. 
we're going to build up our leadership skills and just overall build up our personality. Commanders at boot camp say this is still officially a test, but for now very few changes were required to train this first class as these new recruits, men and women, embark on the 13 weeks it takes to become a U.S. Marine. And that reporting from KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh. What makes culture? That's the question posed in a new KPBS podcast, The Parker Edison Project. KPBS's Maya Trabolsi spoke with San Diego musician and artist Parker Edison about how this project connects the San Diego community. What comes to mind when you think of American culture? Apple pie, bumper stickers, Hulk Hogan. That's Parker Edison. He's host and co-creator of the Parker Edison Project, a new podcast that takes an intimate look at the meaning of American culture. And I'm specifically looking at it through the black lens, because that's my lens. Edison says it's a cultural sound experience. I want people to see how cool my city is. We have superpowers. Like We, we are so skilled at, uh, at so many different things, and we do it so nonchalantly. So uh, ultimately... I want, I want the whole world to be like, oh, yeah, San Diego. Yeah. There's so many of us. It, it feels like a, a little city, but there's four million people here. And so we are incredibly spread out. And we're spread, uh, incredibly cliquish. And so this, this series lets us uh, meet each other. And each episode, in fact, taps into a different part of the city. Uh, I think first episode takes place in North Park and the second episode happens in Southeast San Diego. Each episode explores topics related to food, customs, money, religion, sex, movies, and fashion. Episode one, titled Women on Film, guest Latanya Lockett talks about the symbolism of hoop earrings. Yeah, hoops are savage. I'll wear them just with anything. I don't have to be going somewhere. I'll have a t-shirt and jeans on and put some big old hoops on. I want it to be the statement of my outfit. But, you know, they're trying to tame us. Edison is part of the fabric of San Diego's creative world. A TEDx speaker, a member of award-winning rap group Parker Meridian, and in 2016, he won a local Peacemaker Award from the National Conflict Resolution Center for producing the Reclaiming the Community Music Project, which showcases storytellers of Southeast San Diego. Journalist and cop, well, good guy, but I saw. Adversity, he says, is a shared struggle among us, and learning how people find creative solutions is inspiring, bringing people together. In episode three, artist Orange Space talks about how he overcame a speech impediment with music. It definitely helped me understand why I stuttered, and it, helped, it definitely helped me understand like how how it works and 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 um so i think with that it allows me to be more patient with myself and uh, and to understand you know why it's happening you know when you hear these stories it lets people have that experience in their car or on a run you know they're able to to hear what happened to this person and relate to the adversity because we share the same problems but they get to also see that that triumph and how it happened for somebody else. Edison thinks now is the perfect time to talk about local events that may have been glossed over the last 20 years. This show, he says, allows him to put them into context. And be like, hey, were you here for this? Oh, you were? Oh, do you remember this? Did you talk to this person about it? And we get to kind of see the, the web and, and again, how big it is and how much happened in this little concentrated area. 
Edison says this show is unique in that it comes from a grassroots level and has local guests and stories never heard before. Again, e- even I'm getting to meet people that are behind movements that that shaped my life. I'm learning and I get to, to meet these people, so I'm getting to watch it too. And so it's, it's just the perfect time. And, and it's just the thing that I, I kind of always hope to turn on the TV or turn on the radio and, and find. That excites me. The first season of the Parker Edison podcast has 10 episodes released every two weeks. And that story from KPBS's Maya Tribolsi. The Parker Edison Project is funded in part by the KPBS Explore Local Program Fund. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.